It's so good to see so many people here, as I was saying, people coming from, from far and wide, from interstate, from you know, visiting families and things. So it's just so good to see everyone here. We just want to welcome you, and it's, uh, it's nice to be able to celebrate our amazing Saviour with you this morning, because that's what Christmas is about. Amen? It's not just about the presents. I, I was reading something last night that referred to Christmas as the silly season, and, uh, and it shouldn't be. Christmas is more than a silly season. It's a season where we celebrate Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So I just want to ask a question. What's your favourite part of Christmas? Food? Family? Not working? Carols? Reading the Word? Going, going to church? Gifts under the tree? How many kids got woken up? Oh, how many adults, I should say, got woken up by the kids this morning? We were just saying that this morning that, uh, you know, years, years gone by, the kids would come in at 6 o'clock and, and wake us up and say, can we open our presents yet? Now we're up long before the kids and we're trying to wake them up and we're saying, yeah, come on, it's time to come downstairs. We want our presents. But I remember the time that I was a kid that I'd be downstairs at 2 o'clock in the morning just to see what was under the tree for me. And I'd feel them and I'd sneak back to bed. And I'd go back in at four o'clock just to see whether Santa had come a second time. <laughs> he didn't. I only got what I got. But Christmas is a time where we celebrate. Now the reality is there's some people that Christmas isn't a pleasant time. There's a time when people do struggle. They may have bad memories. There may be a loss of loved ones. There may be, uh, and we think of a lot of the firemen who are fighting fires at the moment. They can't just say, sorry guys, it's Christmas, we're going to spend time with family. There are people in the Defence Force. There are people whose families are interstate or overseas and they can't necessarily uh, come and share Christmas with family. For some people, they don't have extra money to buy presents. Or the Christmas turkey. Or the lunch with family and friends. For them, it might just be a dream or a wish more than anything else. I was thinking too as I was, as I was preparing this, what was Christmas like for the Israelites? Didn't exist. Jesus hadn't been born. Can you imagine a life without Christmas? But Christmas is the day we acknowledge and celebrate Jesus' birth. But that's only a part of it. There's so much more in life. And yes, it might be called the silly season. Yes, it might have become a commercial thing. And the reality is, it'd be only a matter of a week before we see Easter eggs and hot cross buns on the shelves. Probably even earlier, because it's all about commercialism. It's all about making money. It's all about doing what we can. And this whole thing of Jesus is pushed to the side. But Christmas is more than that. Jesus wasn't just born in a manger. He came with a purpose. He came with a reason. You, you picture the day when your kids were born. They're laying there wrapped up in a, in a cloth, looking so innocent, sleeping, sometimes having that milk coma the smile, and then they grow up. But they have to grow up to fulfill the purpose in their life. You had to grow up to fulfill God's call on your life. 
We've been preaching over the last few weeks about answering the call and how God has a call, a plan and a purpose for every single person in this room and we need to respond to that. And Jesus did just that. He didn't just stay in a manger, he grew up and he fulfilled God's plan which was so much bigger than any of us could even do. And Christmas is a time, like we've said, where we celebrate Jesus' birth. But if we just left it at that, if it was just a baby in a manger, then it's no different to a superhero coming to rescue the damsel in distress. She might be tied to the railroad tracks, the train is screaming, people are running around frantically, save her, save her. And the hero jumps in and goes, I am here. And they're all going, save her. Why save her? I'm here. I'm the hero. And then she gets crushed by the train. What do you think people would say to the hero? They wouldn't be impressed. He'd probably get arrested for not doing anything. But you're not a hero unless you do something. The hero might turn up on scene, but until he does something, he's not a hero. Jesus can't be hero or saviour unless he did something. The birth is only the first part. The birth is him arriving on earth. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he, he gave his only begotten Son. But who knows that John 3.16 doesn't end there? That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Who knows what verse 17 says? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. There was a plan, there was a purpose in Jesus coming to earth. Celebrating Christmas is only the first part of the story. In Genesis 1, 2, uh, 1 and 2, we see the creation of mankind. And there was such a, a deep, intimate relationship between Adam and Eve and God. They were clothed with God's presence. There was an intimacy there. The relationship there was incredibly strong. But in Genesis 3, the devil tempted Adam and Eve. And as soon as he did, and I was thinking over this, they chose Satan, or they chose to obey the serpent rather than obey God, because God said, don't touch. But I was thinking... Adam and Eve were clothed with God. And when they sinned, they lost that clothing. They lost the glory. And it's something we could almost compare to having an affair. Because when you think they were clothed with God, but then they chose the serpent over God, they said, God, we actually don't need you anymore. I'm going to go with this one. But God said, I knew this was going to happen. And I've got a plan. I've got a purpose. And Revelation says it was settled before time began. That Jesus chose to give his life for us before time began. And when Adam and Eve sinned, it didn't just affect them, it affected all of mankind because the clothing, the presence of God had now left. And every person from then on was born into sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us are exempt None of us can say, that doesn't apply to me. 
We're all born into sin. And Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. We understand when we work, we get paid. We understand the principle of wages. Because we're born into sin, the principle of wages applies. And those wages are not fun. They're not celebration. It's death and eternal separation from God. It's damnation to hell. It's a place none of us want to be because the Bible says it's a place where there is a weeping and gnashing of teeth. And sometimes you hear people say, oh, I'm going to go to hell and have a party with my friends. There won't be any party, I can tell you that. You imagine burning yourself. Robin burned a finger uh, a few days ago. Just a fairly short incident in water, pain for several days. But can you imagine being in hell where there is no reprieve? There is no escaping the flames. There is no escaping the torture and torment. But the second half of Romans 6.23 says the gift of God is eternal life. It's a gift he gives you because he loves you that much. And even though man said, I'm going to have an affair and go off with this other woman, the serpent, and leave God alone, God says, I knew this was going to happen and I'm going to fight to defend what is mine. And he prepared to come and give his own life because the only way that price could be paid was the shedding of human blood. But Jesus says, you know what? I'll go in their place. I will die in your place so that you can spend an eternity in heaven. And people might say, but I don't need Jesus. I'm doing all right on my own. I can tell you right now, you're not going to make it on your own. The only way for this price to be paid is the shedding of blood. Jesus' blood was shed. You need to accept it as payment for your sin. Otherwise, you make the payment yourself. Can you imagine if you have a, a big debt and you say, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to pay this. And, and you, you hold on to this and you hold on to it and you hold on to it. And you live this life going, I'm all stressed. How do I deal with this? Finally, you go to the bank and the bank says, oh, no, that was, that was paid. That was cleared. Somebody came in months ago. And you've been stressed and everything. How do I pay? How do I pay? How do I pay? But the debt was already paid. Jesus paid our debt for us. We just have to choose to accept it. Otherwise, we have to try and make the payment on our own. On our own. And how do, we, uh, how do we do that? 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All it takes is coming before God and saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me. And it says he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And so many people say, but surely there's more than that. No, the price has already been paid. Jesus already gave his life. You just have to say yes. Everyone say this with me. Yes. yes. How hard was that? But it's a choice on our part. We can say, oh, one day, when I'm on my deathbed, then I'll do it. I want to have a bit of fun now. Well, I can tell you what, there's more fun knowing who Jesus is. There's more fun walking in relationship with him. Not just attending church, but living life every single day, reading his word, studying, praying, knowing what, that he's leading me every step of the way. And I put a, a video clip on Facebook uh, a few days ago about the impacts of reading your Bible four times a week. There was a study done of uh, about 40,000 people from ages 8 through to 80. And what they found was that people who read their Bible one day a week, not much happened. 
So you can go to church, you can listen to the sermon, you can go home and live your life, but not much will happen. Then they come through the second day, and those who read two days in a week, guess what? Not much happened. If you read your Bible three days a week, not much happens. But what they found was on the fourth day, it spiked. Four days a week in the Word will have a massive, massive impact on your life. People with depression had less issues. Marriages were restored. There's a whole range of things that people go, I can't possibly work this out when the Word of God would actually do things. Living a life with Christ is so much more rewarding than not knowing Him. And I can tell you that from experience. And John 1.12 says, As many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe on His name. Jesus didn't just come to earth on Christmas Day and stay there. This was part of God's mission. This was part of God's plan to set something in place for us to be back in relationship with him. But what I can't get over is the fact that Romans 5.8 says that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Knowing that you may never choose him, knowing that you may choose to pay for the sins with your own blood. He said, that's your choice. I'm going to give you the freedom to make that choice, but I've given you everything. I've paid the debt if you want it. He knew we could reject him, but he also knew the only chance of coming back into relationship with God was for someone to die, and he said, I'm willing to do that for you. When Jesus was born, he lived with the cross in mind. Can you imagine living his whole life knowing that one day he's going to be tortured, whipped, beaten, hung on a cross, but he already made the decision while he was still in heaven saying, I'm going to do this. He lived his whole life with the cross in mind. He died, but the victory over death and hell was still on his mind. Then he rose again and ascended to heaven, and you were on his mind. We are such a privileged people. I want you to look on the back of the program. There's a picture I've put on there. I saw this recently, and it really spoke loudly to me. Picture on the left, this is the season. And there is nothing wrong with celebrating Christmas. We celebrate the birth of Jesus. But like I said, Jesus had a plan and a purpose in mind. He didn't just come and live and stay a cute, cuddly little baby. He grew up and he lived his life and he died for us. Because the second picture says, this is the reason. And let us never forget the fact that Jesus gave his life for us. Christmas is so much more than just the birth of a baby or a turkey for lunch or presents. It's not so much about us giving out, but about us honouring the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Not focusing on a baby because I tell you what, that baby grew up. That baby lived his life. That baby fulfilled God's plan in his life. That baby grew up to become a man who gave his life for me and you. And the word Christmas, I think, is interesting because it comes up the two words, Christ, Mass. Mass means a Eucharist service, the celebration of the death of Christ. And the, the two words, the, the other part of Mass means uh, sent or go. 
And can you imagine you're given a mission and now you're released and said, you've got the mission, now go. That's what the Mass meant. We celebrate communion, we celebrate what Jesus did for us, now go and make disciples. That's what the purpose of the Mass is. The word Christ before that refers to the anointing. And we could say, well, the anointing has come to be released to the world. But the way I read it is, the anointing has come, and because of that, you now need to go and tell others. Christmas isn't just about this. Christmas is about the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, the empowering of you, the releasing of you to go and change the world. That's what Christmas is about. If you're given a present, present etiquette indicates that you give a present back. Who would agree? Most of us. Who would agree that ideally you'd like to have a present worth similar value? Can you see where I'm going with this? Jesus was Father's gift to you and I. Jesus' death on the cross was his gift to you and I. So what would happen if you said to God today, Father, what would you like for Christmas? Because I think if I'm supposed to give a gift of equivalent value, then if God has given me his son and Jesus gave his life, what can I give to pay him back? You know what that is? You saying yes. And you might say, well, that doesn't compare. That's not, no, no, no. You get saved. You give your life to Christ. Then you live for him. He's given you his everything. Now you go and change the world. What gift can you give him for Christmas? Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door... I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. God stands before us and says, I've given you everything. I've come as a child. I've lived my life. I've paid the price for your sin. Now it's time for you to make a decision. And what better day than Christmas to say, God, I'm going to give you my life today. How about we all stand up? In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's not a lot required to lay your life down to God. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's as simple as that. And so I would ask you again, if God gave his son... And Jesus gave his life. What gift will you give him today? I'm just going to pray. I'm not going to embarrass people by asking you to show your hands. But I'm going to ask everyone to pray this prayer. And if this is something you say, you know what? I want to give this God a try. I want to I surrender to him and, and see if he can deal with all this rubbish in my life that I've gone through. Because I tell you what, I don't enjoy my life. The things that have gone on aren't fun. They've, they've damaged me. They've damaged my family. They've, they've led me down a path that, I've, that, that seems like there's no way back. But God says there is still hope for your life. 
So let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, Merry Christmas. I surrender my life to you. I acknowledge the birth of your son, but I know there is so much more. Thank you for giving your life for me. Thank you for rising again and defeating death and hell. I surrender my life to you. I ask you to be my Lord and Saviour. And I want to leave this place as a gift to you. I want to leave this place in relationship with you. You've given me your everything. I want to give you my best. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you've prayed that prayer, I would love to talk with you afterwards. But uh, I'm just going to ask the music team to come forward. And we're going to sing one final song uh, in celebration of our God. Amen. Amen. Christmas is a day where we acknowledge the birth of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So as you leave here today, let that be on your mind all day. As you eat, as you open presents, as you have fun with family and friends, do that. But remember the one who made it all possible. Have a wonderful day.